opportunity, first of all, for all the young people who are out there, the opportunity and the future is Web3. Uh, related to NFTs, as you've mentioned, blockchain, crypto, all of the above. However, there in that incredible wealth generation, we have the opportunity in a circular uh, creator economy to be able to change the rules around creating opportunities for many people and not just concentrating that wealth into the hands of a few. And it's up to the people. And at the end of the day, I feel like the I have a lot of faith in the young uh, and the youth coming up to, to think about things differently than just pure, it's I'm in it for myself. And if we can actually collaborate like this technology asks us to do and requires us to do, we can make sure that a lot of people do very well, uh, fine, make a ton of money, but also let's think about society and the positive impact you can have. And that is in our power with this technology. Hello, welcome to another episode of The Future Of here at Nordic Fintech Magazine. My name is Chris, I'm head of content, and today we're gonna to be talking about how the whole is often greater than the sum of its parts. And I would say that few organizations espouse this idea like the Global Blockchain Business Council or GBPC, which is the world's largest group of blockchain experts working in unison to influence and steer the development of this radically transformative technology. GBPC is a non-for-profit Swiss-based association that helps with education, advocacy and partnership on blockchain and digital assets. Its members work as educators and connectors with more than 500 institutional members across 95 jurisdictions, including multi-stakeholder organizations like government agencies, regulators, central banks, entrepreneurs, and other Fortune 500 corporates. In this conversation with Sandra Rowe, GBBC's CEO, we'll learn more about how GBBC is building bridges between the amazing industry of blockchain, digital assets, and crypto, and traditional finance doing this to scale and grow the technology that will help people do well while having a positive impact in societies and communities globally. We are certain that you will find Sandra's words as inspiring and compelling as we did. Sandra, it's great to speak to you again. Um, thanks for taking time to speaking to us. Well, thank you for having me, Chris. Wonderful to be here. All right, so let's just get started. For those of us who may not know you, can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? So my name is Sandra Rowe. I'm the CEO of the Global Blockchain Business Council. Okay, uh, so let's just then get straight into it. Tell us a little bit about the Global Blockchain Business Council. Uh, specifically, I'd like to know about what's its purpose and, and, and who does it serve? Absolutely. So the Global Blockchain Business Council is a mouthful. So we refer to it as GBBC. It is a non not-for-profit Swiss-based association focused on helping with education, advocacy and partnership with respect to emerging technologies like blockchain and digital assets. So think of us as educators and connectors around the world. We currently have 500 institutional members across 95 jurisdictions with 178 ambassadors, and we are growing. And we just turned five years old. Wow, okay, so tell me a little bit more about, about your members. Who, who are the type of members that would join GBBC, uh, or, or perhaps as individuals, as professionals, or as organizations? Absolutely, great question. Uh, the types of organizations that join GBBC are multi-stakeholder meaning we have government agencies, regulators, central banks, as well as entrepreneurs of companies you've never heard of probably who are quite small to 
very, very large Fortune 500 uh, corporations that are household names. And uh, I think we just can go straight into addressing the, the big news that was recently released at the World Economic Forum in Davos, which is the, the, merger, uh, the merger of uh, GBBC and GDF. Absolutely. Yes, that was very exciting for us back in May. Normally Davos is not in May, but uh, it happened to be this year in 2022. We were in Davos and we basically, uh, you know, a number of years in the making, but we merged with Global Digital Finance, which is a UK based organization doing similar work. They focus on codes of conduct for the crypto industry and lots of fantastic reports uh, that um, are developed by the group. We are now, with that group, a 500-plus institutional membership, as I mentioned. But what's more important is that GDF is now called GBBC Digital Finance. It will represent all financial services under the name of GDF. So what does that mean? It means big financial institutions, the TradFi, meeting with regulated and not regulated crypto firms offering different services coming together. It will cover everything from insurance, taxation, and real estate and financial services banking. Right, so that's, that's really exciting. Uh, I'd like to just double click on that and, and, and help me understand a little bit more. What are the, uh, the additional capabilities that, that GBBC will now be able to, to do thanks to the merger? With the merger comes scale. We are the world's largest blockchain association now in the world, and we are continuing to grow. And the reason why that is important for an emerging industry as digital assets and blockchain is that there are needs to be certain points of hubs, as I call them. And I know we are all advocating for decentralization, and absolutely we advocate for our decentralization as well, but there is benefit to certain areas having large-scale influence and ability to have one voice and i think that is what we are looking to achieve and have done and actually in lots of different pockets but there's a lot of work for us to do and we need to do it together right and, and when you say have one voice what sort of activities do you collectively perform with this one voice from from the professionals let me give one example of something that we developed three years ago it was around mapping the global landscape. There is so much work going on, whether it's policy or regulatory or related to technical standards, there's a lot of work being done. But someone asked me a very simple question. What's the global landscape look like? And you know what, three years ago, I couldn't give an answer, not a simple answer. So we worked with initially the World Economic Forum and in the second iteration, we worked with over 131 institutions, we work together to form a global mapping initiative. It's called GSMI, and you can go to our website to see it. We mapped 187 jurisdictions and put together everything we could find. Who had worked on a bill, a white paper, anything that had come together from the government, that was one. Another one was related to technical standards. We've mapped 37 of them. These are what these standards look like in the blockchain space. Uh, and we're constantly asking for others to let us know if we're missing anyone. We've also mapped over 400 consortia that existed in blockchain. Some are now defunct, some are still operating. And we've also now started listing all blockchain courses and degree programs around the world 
from academic institutions. And that number is growing. Wow. And I, could you help me understand what's the relationship with the, the World Economic Forum? Why would the World Economic Forum be involved in an activity like, like the mapping of the, uh, of the overall ecosystem? Sure, we partner with lots of different groups. As we all know, blockchain is a team sport and we like that. And we often work with others who are doing related work and making sure that we're not doing redundant things. And as two organizations with different competencies, we've decided to come together at that point to combine the technical mapping with the regulatory mapping and policy mapping. Okay, uh, let's switch gears now and talk a little bit about the, the members themselves. Because I'm, I'm curious to, to know what, what is it that the members of both organizations that merge say about the, ma the merger? Yes, the, what was very interesting about, actually about our merger is that we had, we had very little overlap in membership. We had a little bit, but not much. Number one, GBBC's membership cuts across industry groups. We have healthcare, energy, government services, as I mentioned, government-related um, folks, supply chain, as well as financial institutions. And what was very interesting about this merger is that you brought together then very large names, like banks that you've heard of, with with organizations like crypto firms, layer ones, layer twos, that were not typically necessarily in the GBBC orbit. So combining those two groups, what are we doing? We are saying, look, old school, new school, old world, new world, coming together and finding collaboration and ways to build bridges, because that's the only way we're going to scale and grow this amazing industry. Right, and I think that's absolutely essential, right? Because for, for those of us who have worked in the financial services industry, we know that these new technologies are coming up. They, they, re, they represent a, a big gap and a big bridge that needs to be uh, crossed, right? So I think that's a, that's a fantastic initiative. Absolutely, and I'm a former banker, and I will tell you there are a lot of great things that bankers can learn or the banking industry can learn from the crypto and particularly the DeFi world, but also, there are gaps in what the crypto and some of the DeFi folks know about how traditional finance works and trying to figure out either one, you adopt some of it, or two, actually, it's not that great. We're gonna come up with a new blueprint. But I think understanding the regulatory, the requirements, uh, legal aspects, compliance aspects are very important. I, I really love that approach because I think what we've seen in, in especially in crypto is that we, we see a lot of polarization and we see almost competing views and ideologies of how how we should run our, our economies and our monetary systems and our financial systems, especially around these decentralized versus decentralized. And and I think what you're proposing here is much more of a convergence rather than a, than a divergent view of how th these things develop. Absolutely. For those who are on the cutting edge doing extremely innovative work, I think that's fantastic. But in terms of being able to scale and incorporate into where most of the population sits in the world, which is traditional uh, infrastructure, I think we do need to figure out how that will have a home and grow. Yeah, indeed. All right. Um, tell me a little bit about what are the, the post-merger aims and, and vision for, for GBBC? Chris, thank you so much for asking that question about post-merger. Well, first of all, as I said very clearly in May, we needed to get our house in order because our team basically, it's a very small team, but we you know, doubled in size and now we've tripled in size. So we are growing quite quickly. 
we've now gotten to a place where internally we are set up in a much more efficient way to scale ourselves. That was one, get your house in order. Number two is now really focusing on, as I mentioned, GDF representing all financial services related topics. And that includes things like doing uh, collaborations with other big industry associations that may be in the financial services space, but also working with regulators, particularly global regulators, on helping them talk to each other, to collaborate, working with those um, who are maybe coming along, particularly in developing countries where they don't have the same resources as other nations where they do have a lot of resources. We're trying to make sure that people learn from each other and that you don't need to reinvent the wheel. So working a lot with regulators in particular. And then from a larger GBBC perspective, it's the exciting part. Almost every aspect of every industry involves financial services, but we think it's very important that we talk about the opportunities in clean energy. Energy in particular is a huge topic for us. Uh, government services, healthcare, supply chain, as I mentioned before, there's many more. Right, so so if I understand correctly, then you play, a, a GBBC will play a critical role in ensuring that the various jurisdictions get to collaborate, get to work together in, in um, and basically defining how the industry evolves. Absolutely. So for those who are looking to scale, industries that are looking to scale, some of the most fundamental things I hear over and over again, common language definitions, common frameworks and standards. That is how actually most of the tech industry has scaled is we've come up with common frameworks for how we're going to operate. And that's critically important if we expect billions of people to use a particular technology or set of um, services. So far, we've been talking about the, the great benefits of the merger, also the, the benefits to the industry of having this group of professionals coming together and putting their expertise together. Let's talk a little bit now about the concerns that may may exist in, in, in how the this technology can be used to, to develop uh, not just financial services, but other industries as well. Is there anything that, that, that you think we should be concerned about the the future of, of, of use of blockchain? I think there's quite a few things to be concerned about, but I will highlight just a couple here. Number one, technology like any other technology and blockchain is nothing special in this way, can be used for amazing use cases for good of humanity. It can also be used for terrible purposes. And I think we need to be very clear as a community and as a global world of builders of how we're going to define how this technology is used. Will we allow it to be used by rogue governments to do all sorts of awful things to their citizens because they now have more insight? Uh, I think we need to draw lines and be very clear about data privacy, privacy and what, um, how this technology is used. I think that's a big, big area we need to spend a lot more time on. Ethical usage of uh, technology and data. And that's something I fear that governments could use in a, in a very negative way if given license, carte blanche license. Um, and then another area, are we going to, it, using this technology, just focus on use cases that just make a few people richer? Are we gonna do the same thing that Web2 did, which is to concentrate power in the hands of maybe five big companies? Are we gonna widen the opportunity set? Are we going to democratize how people can actually gain wealth in this next multi-trillion dollar industry in the making? I think that's incredibly important that we all think about that. Opportunities everywhere. Right, and, and in line of, of making sure we keep those concerns uh, in, in mind and in check, 
Is there anything that that GBBC wants to ensure that there that happens at the regulate, regulatory level uh, to ensure that those checks and balances are carried through in the development of blockchain and in development of its use across industries? Yes, I think there are a couple areas that all of us could spend a lot more time on. I'm going to give three. Number one, digital identity. Digital identity is going to happen, and in most cases, there will be a government component to this. We need to shape that dialogue with governments around the world of what digital identity will look like. I know and appreciate sovereign digital identity. Self-sovereign digital identity is a concept that a lot of folks are working on, but at least in my opinion, the future world involves one where your government ID plays at least a role in being able to uh, influence your digital identity. So I think the guardrails around that, incredibly important. Um, number two, data privacy. I can't underscore how important it is for us to actually have legislation that protects people's data and what they do online and drawing lines. And right now in certain countries, there are no lines. Governments can do whatever, and this is not healthy, and nor do I think it's a good thing. So we need to put, keep putting pressure on that. And then there's a third concept, I think it's now percolating, but people don't talk enough about, is tech, technology ethics or tech ethics. And it's really around, as a society, how are we going to use technology when everything is digitized? Is it okay just to use tech for whatever purposes? Or are there actually lines in society that we're going to draw, like we've drawn in other areas, where it's not okay to either be intrusive in someone's life or to use it as a weaponized tool? Right, okay. And just uh, as you were speaking, I, I was thinking perhaps also about the, the fact that the blockchain will increasingly capture most, uh, more and more of our daily lives in, in, in a digital form. Um, what, what happens with people that perhaps are either not comfortable using uh, digital technologies or that just choose not to use them? How can we ensure that we bring those people along with the evolution of industries? Absolutely, that is critically important. Uh, the Vatican actually estimated in one of their conferences we attended on the digital divide, something in the neighborhood of 1.72, over 2 billion people uh, may be left behind as everything digitizes. Uh, groups like the Vatican and uh, United Nations are actually incredibly focused on this. Number one, there are people who just don't even have access to basic electricity, let alone internet. So how do we actually make sure that there is a way to get digital information because everything is digitizing? At some point, it becomes a human right to have access to the internet. But then here's another point. What about education? If you're illiterate and you can't even read and on top of that don't have access to the internet, you've now just compounded the problem. So I think these are areas where we need to have policy. We need to work with multi-stakeholders like the United Nations and different groups to really make sure that we don't leave 2 billion people behind. Um, Sandra, uh, with the emergence of blockchain and uh, DeFi models and Web3, we, we almost see like a, like a rush for fast money. We see a lot of people wanting to get into crypto, into NFTs. Um, and of course, this, is, this, is, this tends to be more of a, the, the, the younger generation. So what's your thought about how this is creating perhaps a, a, an interest in, in, in fast money uh, and the sustainability of this model as we implement the technology forward? Well, Chris, thank you so much for that question. There is a lot related to the opportunity. First of all, for all the young people who are out there, the opportunity and the future is Web3. Uh, related to NFTs, as you mentioned, blockchain, crypto, all of the above. However, 
There, in that incredible wealth generation, we have the opportunity in a circular uh, creator economy to be able to change the rules around creating opportunities for many people and not just concentrating that wealth into the hands of a few. And it's up to the people. And at the end of the day, I feel like the, I have a lot of faith in the young uh, and the youth coming up to, to think about things differently than just pure, it's I'm in it for myself. And if we can actually collaborate like this technology asks us to do and requires us to do, we can make sure that a lot of people do very well, uh, fine make a ton of money, but also let's think about society and the positive impact you can have. And that is in our power with this technology. Um, just, just to close, tell us where do you see the industry uh, going to in, 20, in 2030? And whether you think that decentralized infrastructures will end up replacing centralized mo models of technology governance? So I have been in this space for 10 years now. Uh, it's hard to believe that I'm saying that, but we've watched an evolution over the last 10 years. Think about the fact that no one was talking about blockchain or digital assets or CBDCs eight years ago and look at today, every government's pretty much talking about it. This industry has done pretty transformative, amazing things already. Where do we end up by 2030? I think if we were to focus our energies on the immediate solutions for problems today, meaning if we were to use the technology to solve for climate change, how to clean up the data around carbon emissions, carbon offsets, all of that, and work towards SDG goals in particular, the United Nations Sustainability Development Goals, I think we'd be in a much more positive world and prove that this technology can do wonderful things if we could actually mobilize a good portion of our work in that, in that direction. Uh, we have a food crisis that's happening. People are, the, the World Food Program has come up with statistics that show we're getting worse, not better in the food famine and food crisis. Uh, GBBC is working actually with the World Food Program. We'll be talking more about it later, but we are working to actually work towards using blockchain to provide transparent data and also donor fund data on if you contribute, how you can actually see where things go and also really become part of the global community. These are global problems, but working together, I believe in the power of people. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for sharing your insights. I think this is, as I mentioned, a fascinating field and, uh, and you've given us a very insightful gl a glimpse of where the, where the industry and the technology is going. So uh, thank you so much for your time. And of course, we're looking forward to hearing more, uh, more about this uh, from you at Nordic Fintech Week in September. Well, thank you very much, Christopher. And I really look forward to being there in Copenhagen. It's been too long.